Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, guys. It's Trevor Tulliba here, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the Blue Day podcast, and it's the last one of 2022, folks. For Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence, and joining me for the final time this year, he is a man that won't be having a blue Christmas, let me tell you, and he won't be doing a Clarkson or a Messi on the show. More on that later. Here is Steve Wick. Steve, welcome back. How are you? And are you oh, missing right. the World Cup yet? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, Keith. I think it was great to know you were coming home and you had a couple of games on the TV. And it, it was a fantastic World Cup. And uh, the shocks had everything. And the final was probably one of the best games I think I've ever seen in a World Cup final. I think it was just unbelievable. Um, no, and it, I think the, the one thing we've got to look at as well is that it went fairly smoothly. And you've got to ask yourself, is it because there was no alcohol in the stadium? That Possibly. There was hardly any arrest. No one behaved in a bad way. Mm. It, it, it went very smooth. And um, it was a, a very, very good World Cup. Mm. It had everything. Where would you rank it? In, not Obviously not going all the way back to the 50s and 60s, but where would you rank it within the last 20, 25 years, Steve, in terms of World Cup. And as you say, there weren't a lot of hooliganism over there. There weren't a lot of issues. Obviously, people have their views on Qatar. We've got ours, but we won't need to share them Mm. on this show. But in terms of the competition, in terms of shocks, and in terms of how different teams and different players stepped up and we'll talk about a few of them that play for Chelsea in, in later where would where would you rank it within the last 25 years for for shocks for for overall like the overall comp, overall uh, competition I think you'd be up in the top 3 Keith you know hmm. I, I really do I think it was um it was different because it was a, at the wrong time of the year as far as the tra- you know traditionalists are, are concerned but it was it had everything, you know that there was a, a fairy tale in Morocco, um, a fairy tale where they did, they were unbelievable, um, you know, and and so many games were good games, and you couldn't tell the winner. There was no, wasn't many games where people ran away with it and hammered people, apart from probably England and Iran, the first game that England played, you know, it, but other than that. The games were really tight, really exciting, and really good. Um, and as I said, the final was just unbelievable. You know, they go 3-2 up and you just think, that's it. No, there's another chapter. There's another chapter. And uh, it, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable World Cup. And it pains me that because I don't think they deserve that, the way they treat people. But, but you know... It, it, Holding your hands up, it, it went really well. Well, I enjoyed watching it. It was nice to get a break from club football, which we will talk about 
after after talking about the World Cup, but it was nice to sort of watch different nations as well, like Japan do so well, and as you say, Morocco do quite well with a certain Chelsea player who probably won't play like that again for a while, folks. Um, <laughs> but the obviously we talk about Messi. He's finally won one. We'll discuss it now and get it out of the way. With him winning the World Cup now, with all his accomplishments since he started playing football, would you say he's now up there as the greatest or still one of the greatest? Well, I, I listen, I, I, I come from a, a generation, an era of what I consider world-class players, were world-class players. I think the world-class player has been overused in today's football. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to play against Pele. I was lucky enough to play against Maradona, Johan Cruyff, and another world-class player, Nishkins, Johan Nishkins. Um, and they were what I considered world-class players. Um, and Zidane, as well, was a world-class player. And I think that there's so many players, you know. Harry Kane, I love him. He's a traditional English centre-forward. But he is not in the upper echelons of Pele, Cruyff, Maradona. He is not what I consider a world-class player. A oh, very, God, very good near. player, but not a world-class player. No. And that's why I think, you know... There's one player in that England team that I think will become a world-class player, and that's Bellingham. I think that boy, at 19 years of age, was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and I think he could become a world-class player. But I think that term world-class is used too easy. But Messi, I'm just pleased. I bet Ronaldo was sat at home on his chair watching <laughs> Uh, praying and hoping that Messi didn't get his World Cup medal and you know what the way Ronaldo's behaved I'm glad Messi got his World Cup medal because that will be the difference between the two of them the, this debate we've had over the last five years six years who's the best Ronaldo or Messi I think Messi turned it on in this World Cup and proved beyond doubt that he is something very, very special. And would I put him in the upper echelons of all those players? Yes, I would. Without doubt. He was class. Yeah, I think... So certainly, since I've been bald, I would say Messi is the best of all time. Obviously, you've got Pele and Maradona that fans of theirs would probably, you know, voice their um, support for. But when he, when you compare Messi to Ronaldo, I'm sorry. And I... and for years and years, I've always been a Messi fan. Ronaldo, yes, he's great, but and he's he's world class. But when it comes to me, he he doesn't touch the sides when it comes to Messi. I'm sorry, no, be, well, you just got to be honest. Well, well, I think I think his his stats add up alongside Messi. I think he's you know, oh, in terms I, of goals, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, when you want to change a game, when you want to no, take a game by the scruff of the neck. And I honestly believe, Keith, that, that, you know, with Messi, you never hear from him, do you? He just gets on with his job. No matter what's happening in his, in his career, he just gets on with it. We've seen a petulant footballer throw his toys out of the pram so many times at Manchester United. And the way he behaved with his interview and the way he behaved, you know, and... You know, I know he's gone through a lot of personal, you know, to lose a baby is a, is a, is a nightmare. And I, but what I can't work out is where, after that tragic episode, every ground in the country cheered him and clapped him and gave him the utmost respect. But the way he's behaved, you know, there's a saying, isn't there, that no player is bigger than his club. Well, in Ronaldo's world, that doesn't exist because in his world, he's bigger than Manchester United. And that doesn't work. 
Speaking of world-class players, let's talk about a player who seemed he was playing world-class for his country, but can't do the same in a blue shirt, and that's Hakim Ziyech. He's hero status with his country, which is fair enough. Yeah. Not really the same. Not really the same type of support back at back here in in Chelsea. Where do you see his future? Because there's a few people that have come to me since Morocco's exit the other the other week and said that he needs to, he needs to start games. He needs to start games on a consistent basis to get the best out of him. There is a player there. You know, you look at his goals against Tottenham. This is what people are saying to me. And I just feel that he has had too many chances. And well, at the end of the day, we, we cut the cord on Timo Werner, who at least, albeit I weren't his big fan when it came to his goal return, but he tried. Ziyech for me, nah. But... It all, it all depends. One player who I would like to mention before we do um, talk about England and Gareth Northgate is Matteo Kovacic. Third place for Croatia. Croatia's yeah. midfield maestro. Obviously, Modric had his um, swan song with Croatia as well. But Kovacic... There's, a, there's another great professional, Keith. Absolutely fantastic Modric, footballer. Yeah. Who deserves everything accolade that is given to him he deserves because he's been an absolute credit to his country, to every team he's played for, he has been a very special player um, and uh, I'm pleased for him I'm pleased for him but if I was a, if I was the Chelsea manager I'd be saying to my Croatian footballer I want to sign that centre half I want to sign that centre-half with the face mask. That boy was unbelievable. Uh, uh, the lad from Leipzig you're talking about. Is he the one with the mask? I is believe the... so, yes. yeah. What a player that boy could be. He's got everything. I know he got turned around by Messi, but a lot of defenders have. But I'll tell you what, he was, to me, one of the best if I had to pick a team, he'd be centre back in 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 um, you know in, in the world world eleven after that World Cup. He was superb, you know. And I'd be on to our boy saying, "Speak to him, have a word." Has he not? Tur- Charlie said that that he turned us down once. Has he? We we nearly signed him in the summer. Yeah, and. He actually turned us down because he felt it was for the good of his career yeah. that he wanted to stay at Leipzig. The, the fee was agreed, as as far as I know, and there was even plans of uh, a medical. But yeah. there, he decided to change his mind. But he he has come out since and said that it is flattering to be linked with Chelsea. He he he's a, he wouldn't say he's a fan, but he appreciates Chelsea's history and. I'm I'm with you, Steve. I think he'd be a fabulous signing if if we was able to get him. I think he'd certainly shore up the defence. And you look at it, he could be a long-term replacement for Thiago Silva and even Koulibaly. Ooh. Oh, well, I think that goes without, you know, I think he, he's like, again, you know, you're, you're dealing with an age that you can build a team around. You can't build a team around a 36, 37-year-old Thiago Silva was one one of the best signings we we talk about signing a, the most unbelievable player. You, you and it's been a pleasure seeing him play for in the blue shirt at Chelsea. And I can't ever criticise him one iota mm. because he's been the ultimate professional. He goes about his business, and he is he has been. I'm just so you know proud that he's played in my club shirt because that is one of the you know, he's up there with Bobby Moore, as far as I'm concerned, and not many people get up there with him. Where, um, where would you put Thiago in terms of defenders for Chelsea? We've had a few decent ones, but where would you rank him? Because a lot of people say that he would be up there with John Terry as the defensive partnership for the in the greatest Chelsea side. But when I, when I talk about Cavalio, I talk about... You know, even as as far 
as far back when you talk about from the 70s and 80s. You've got Desai in there and Frank LeBeuf in there from the 90s. Where do you rank him, Steve? Um, bearing in mind he was, what, 36 when he came to us? Yes. Um, just seeing him play and the way he's played and the way he's conducted himself and the way... To me, I think you know my my feelings. I think the best centre back that's ever played for uh, Chelsea to me is John Terry. Um, I think John was just a leader of men and led by example, and had a massive influence on the club. To me, the best two I've ever seen was him and Cavalier. I think Cavalier was just mm. was to me just you, one of those players you would hate to play against if you were a, a forward. Unbelievable. But then when Thiago Silva came to the football club, you saw a world-class player instantly there. His class showed from day one, in my opinion. And you looked at him and I, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm looking at him at 36, I'm thinking to myself, I would love to have seen him at 27, 28. Because oh, he was... Yeah. Top, top class. Um, and I think he, he, you know, he would be in the last sort of two decades probably the best centre-back in the world. And I mean that. I think he's probably the best centre-back in the world. You know, there's no comparison between him um, and centre-half that you, you, you watch in the World Cup and you're looking at them and you're thinking, oh my God, that boy is just just incredible. Incredible. Um, um, and I think he will be up there with, with, you know, as I said, we've been lucky enough to have him in a, in a Chelsea shirt for the last, what, three years? Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'd love to have seen him 27, 28, 29. Deary me. Absolutely world-class. Well, something we can't talk world-class about, and that is um, the England national team. But it seems Gareth Southgate's going to stay on for another four years. Some people, well, at least 18 months until 2024, excuse me. Um, He announced it on, I believe it was a Sunday, on the day of the World Cup final. Steve, are you happy with that? Do you think that there could have been other candidates linked with the role? I know certain media outlets whether you know they've got reliable sources or not kept uh, proclaiming that Tuchel and Pochettino was linked with the job. I don't really think that uh, both would not have been a bad hand at it, but Southgate for at least till 2024, are you happy with that? Um, actually, Keith, I am. Um, you know, I think uh, um, when England were knocked out of the World Cup, I was absolutely gutted. Uh, I can't tell you how I felt. You know my feelings about England. Um, but what I will say, I looked at that game and we were better than France. We were better. My criticism of Gareth Southgate and I looked at it when Argentina played France in the final they, they got into France they attacked France they never gave them an inch they played on the front foot and they totally put them out of kilter if you know what I mean they, they really got into France and do you know what I think sometimes England have got to do that we've won the worst cup in a World Cup as a country that you can ever win. And that's the fair play cup. <laughs> I'd hate my team, if I was coach, to win that cup. And I think what we've got to do is we've got to become a lot more aggressive, a lot more horrible, and get into teams, play on the front foot, and go for teams. And I don't think we do that enough. And I think there's only one player in that team, if you look at the whole team, that has the, the 
thing about him to be horrible, to get into people, get stuck into people, to cause a problem, to make them realise they're playing against a tough, horrible team. And that's bad. And he's 19 years of age. All the others Jude Bellingham. too nice. Jude Bellingham. Yeah. All the others are too nice. And we have to change because a nice team never wins anything. And I think a lot of people say that, that teams are a, the personality of their manager. And Gareth Southgate is an awfully nice, the sort of boy you like your daughter to bring home. Nice person who does everything right, everything correct. But you know what? Wins you nothing. Um, England have got to be Argentina, attack France from, from the first minute, caused their major problems. They didn't quite know how to handle it. And that's what I'd like to see England do more often, is to play on the front foot, be horrible, be nasty, get stuck in. You know, and if we get bookings and if we get, so be it. But the fair play, you know, trophy is the worst, in my opinion, worst thing you can ever win as a country. It's probably you because the only, they're the only nation that sort of took the knee before matches, and I that, don't, prob- I don't. That, that probably helped as well. But no, no, we had the we had the lowest yellow card thing. We had the I... lowest, you know, and I don't think that's a good thing either. You know, I, I, I really don't think that's a good thing. You know, you got to have mm. players passionate and getting stuck in. And saying to, to you know, over my dead body, you're going to I don't it. think we've got players for that anymore. Well, no, we, we I have... don't think this country produces players like that anymore. No, I, well, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's a little bit like the goal against France, the first goal when Saka goes down. You know, he went down too easy. Yeah. You get your elbow. It wasn't a foul. It, no, it was not. It, a foul. You know, with all due respect, we go down too, too easy. You know, and I, I just think that we've got to, we've got to become horrible over the next eighteen months, and we've got to, they've got to understand, you know, that that, you know, getting no yellow cards, in many ways, is showing your lack of um, passion. I think in well, many lack ways, of guts, yeah. lack of you know, trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck. You know, it, it's like and put yourself about a bit. I mean, Steve, yeah. could you imagine? <laughs> I'm just thinking back again from when you played in the heart of Chelsea's defence and even you know, when you went to QPR, for example. Can you imagine playing in a, a top game where by the centre-half, yes, he wants to you know, give the striker a bit of a tough time, obviously not hack him down and receive a red, but let him know that he's there. Not, you know, oh, how's it going? Oh, nice to see you played well and not pick up a booking. At least... Put yourself about a bit. I'll tell you something, Keith, as well. You know, we, 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 we in many ways, um, you know, the, we played better when we started to look forward earlier. What we did, it was, and I found it really, I was getting so uptight at home, sat there watching us play the ball sideways and backwards. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, I was taught by the best coaches. You know, and you know my, my feelings and the coaches I've had. You control the ball and the first look is forward. Mm. And we were quite happy mm. to play the ball sideways and backwards. That's and what we, they get I, taught. That's what coaches get taught in yeah. these courses now. And then that, yeah. feeds, that well, feeds it down to the players. But what when we were at our best was when we attacked with pace and we got mm. the ball forward early. And, and we played the ball early. We played two-touch football. You know, control pass, control pass, and look forward and play in between the lines. We don't do that enough. Now, I'm a, I've been a coach, but I'm nowhere near the standard. But trust me when I say this, is that we have to look at our game and go through it. And between Steve Holland and Gareth Southgate, they've got to come up with a solution Number one that makes us a nasty team, horrible to play against. You know, if you're going to beat them, it's going to be nasty. Mm. And the other thing we got to do is go look forward earlier and play the ball at pace because we've got players in our team 
that have got great pace, great skill, and can cause any team in the world problems, as was proven in the World Cup, as was proven. And we were the better, we were better than France. We were better. And what, what we've got to do is say, right, we're better, but how can we, how can we get even better? And the two things you've got to do, number one, is play forward faster. And number two, be horrible to play against. Be in their faces. Not Because I'll tell you what, from the, that whistle went in that final. Argentina were in their faces, making it very hard for them. And it was only after 80 minutes. And I think where they worked so hard, their legs went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, what an exhibition of, of you know, not allowing a team to play, you know, and that's what we got to be, horrible. Well, I can't see that under Southgate and I can't see that under certain players that are playing for England. But one person who I would love to see in the next World Cup squad in 2026 in America, Canada and Mexico is Trevor Chalabar. He's one person who I'm hoping will get the call for England. I think he has got huge potential going forward. He's He's got good stature about him. He can score goals. I think he has got something about him. I'd like to see him in the next World Cup squad. But somebody who will be in the squad for Chelsea in the summer is the lad Christopher Nkuku from RB Leipzig. It's now been pretty much confirmed by reliable sources. And I think it's been confirmed by Leipzig as well that he has agreed on the deal. It looks as if it will be around 60 million euros, which in terms of current day transfer deals is not massively pricey. Um, We've been singing his praises for a while. You've certainly been singing his praises a little bit, Steve, uh, for the last few weeks slash months. Are you happy it's finally pretty much been confirmed and he'll be coming to Chelsea in the summer? Yeah, I am. I like his age. I like it. 24, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can build a team around him. You can build, you can get these players at 24 who you can look at your team. If you get enough of those 24-year-olds, you know, the the, the big centre-back, the Croatian centre-back that I I think is a fantastic player. I think he's 23. You know, get that type of age. He might be younger than that, Steve, actually. I think he's only 20. I think he's only about 20. I'll tell you what, what a player. And as you mentioned, you know, Chalaba, you know, if I, I know this sounds strange, but I would have taken him to this World Cup. Oh, I would have done as well, but... I, yeah. I would look at him and say he's got everything of the, the centre-back that he can play, he's confident on the ball, he's quick. I'd have, I'd have taken him over Cody. To me, Cody is not an international footballer. He's not an... In- well, well, he I, got no minutes, did he? Well, he's like... It's almost like he's been picked because he's a great guy in the dressing room. And yeah. that should never happen. Well, that's, that's actually what was said, apparently. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's apparently what was said, that he got brought yeah. in because of um, oh, his, how he is as a team player and how he is in dressing room. But uh, What I'd do then, I, I, I'd pick you know, Michael you know, McIntyre. He'd it, be great in the dressing room. He'd make everyone laugh. Well, he wouldn't you know, make think, me laugh. You know, what a great experience. For the player to be involved in this World Cup, mm. and then to be ready for the Euro- and then to be ready for the next World Cup, you know well, what it happened a- with uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo in '94. You know, this is what I'm. This what, you know, to to pick a player because he's a good lad and he's great in his dressing room. I think it's absolutely ridiculous, and I think that you know these are little things what we've spoken about. You know, with England, and and I'm sure most people can. I'm sure I'm not alone when I say what I've said about England. Too nice. You know, it, it's all about old players. They're great. They're, the the team spirit. The 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 the. the it, well, actually, all the balls we talked about have won us nothing. Have won us nothing. You know, and let's be fair about it. We got the semi final of the World Cup, the last World Cup. And we had the easiest draw anyone could ever have. We then played the Euros at home. And 
yeah, we did well. We beat probably the worst German team for the last 30 years. We, we um, you know, we had Denmark, when was it, in the semi-final? semi-final? You know, uh, we, which... Probably, I think it was the corners, but yeah. I'd... You know, we, we had a, you know, and we were at home. And we, had, and we went 1-0 up. But we never won it. And what we've got to do now is, is look at the look at the management team and say, actually, you're doing something wrong. Because England were one of the best teams I saw in that World Cup. They were one of the best teams. But far too nice. Far mm. too easy to play against. Mm. And we got to racket up our game to be, you know, Liverpool. Everyone says about Liverpool. Great, great. Well, great, and I'm talking about my era now. Great, they they were the most brilliant football team, but they were they were nasty buggers. They were nasty, and if, if you wanted to mix it with them, the likes of Sunes, um, you know, they could all mix it, and they'd be nasty, horrible to play against. Hmm. So they could do it both ways, and that's what England England are like a football team out of Walt Disney. And we got to make it to uh, what's those Halloween films? We got we got to turn that team into into a nasty group of players. But over our dead bodies, are anyone going to beat England? If they're going to beat England, they're going to have to go because we're going to be in your faces. We're going to fight. We're going to run, and we're going to cause you problems. Um, and that's what frustrates me about the World Cup. I don't I don't think we were we were enough like that. We were too passive. That's the word. We were too passive. Well, one line I wanted to get your thoughts, Steve, on before we um, move on to other things. The Argentine goalkeeper, who I, I hope has actually washed the Golden Glove Award after his uh, little performance on stage with it when he got presented with Um He's been linked with a move to Chelsea from for over the last few days anyway. Um, he certainly, I, I, I would certainly take a stab at him, considering what we've got at our club at the moment. It seems Mendy either wants more money or he wants out, and Kepa, oh, it seems no bugger wants. So, would you take Martinez? One hundred percent. One hundred. He's a winner. Do you know his attitude? His attitude is exactly what I'm saying about England that we don't have. You know, when he kicked the ball away, when he was, you know, he's got that thing where it's all about passion. I'll do everything that's needed to be done to make my country win this. And he did everything. He kicked the ball away. He's very clever what he did. And he was a winner. He was a winner. And, you know, that I'd have him tomorrow. I always, I've on, often thought that Arsenal made a big mistake when they let him go. A big mistake. Mm. Um, and I'd have him tomorrow. I'd sign him tomorrow. Well, who's in charge? And we will talk. We will talk about it now as the main event of the evening. Um, whoever's in charge of Chelsea come the summer, we don't know who it's going to be. It might actually work out quite nicely if a certain manager, who is a free agent at the moment, is well could be the next Chelsea manager. Um, we've heard from certain sources that Mauricio Pochettino is an option for Chelsea. And it does look as if either Todd Bowley, the owner who seems he wants to do everything himself, which is whether it's the, the American way, you know, so be it. But it seems as if he might be losing a little bit of faith, a little bit of patience with Potter already. And it seems there's a little bit of a question mark on Pochettino's um, future in terms of whether he'll turn up at Chelsea. So, Pot or Poch, Steve? Oh, I think you know, under this, this regime... You know, you, 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 I think I was right in saying, um, I think if you go back over our podcast, he was my number one choice anyway. Um, and when I said to you, when, when Potter was 
was made manager of Chelsea. I told you what concerned me was his lack of experience at the, at the top level. And to manage a, a club that is struggling and to keep them up is a very different proposition to actually managing a club with the highest expectations, especially when you haven't had the experience at that highest level. Um, and that was always my concern. Um, and I think the next month, because this lot, you know, people often criticise Roman for being very sort of quick, but he never they made that many mistakes because every time he sacked someone, the new manager won trophies. Um, but it's very different managing Brighton than it is Chelsea. It's very different handling players at Brighton than handling players at Chelsea. You know, um, you know, like for instance, he would have never, ever, ever signed a player that earned three hundred thousand pounds a week. He would never then have to deal with the likes of Mason Mount, who's on £85,000 a week. Um, and Mason Mount not being happy, the Sterling's come in and, a threat, and he's, he's an England national like him and has been very influential with Chelsea. Um, and he, all of a sudden, he wants £300,000 a week. There's a lot to deal with. There's a lot to deal with at Chelsea Football Club. And trust me, Graham Potter has never, ever dealt with these problems ever before in his career. And it's a test for him. And you're going to get people, the players that aren't playing, that will become a cancer in Chelsea Football Club. And the first thing they'll say is he don't know what he's doing. He ain't got a clue. He's come from Brighton. He's, he's... So he's got all that to deal with. He's either, he's either going to come through with it or he's going to have a problem. And with this regime, it could be the latter, a problem. And then you go, right, who is there available? And I've said to you when we were talking about the new manager, and I said the person I'd go through is Poch. You know, to me, he's managed, you know, if you imagine being manager of Mbeppe when... You know, he's, made, he's basically saying you can sign him. No, you can't sign him. You can sign him. You know, uh, he's had to deal with the, the very top players and that's what Chelsea, have, 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 you know, is all about. Um, our expectation levels are at that top end. So I hope Potter survives and I hope he comes through and does a great job. But I wouldn't trust this management more than I could throw him, to be honest with you. I don't even think they understand football. I don't think they know what they're doing. Um, and I'd love to know who's, who's advising them because they're advising them wrong. As every signing, look at the signings we've made. How many signings have we made through this regime that you look at and say is a success? Oh. Not many. <sighs> And I think Mendy's got a hell of a cheek wanting a pay rise. Hearing me, they're probably, you know, give him a pay rise and he'd drop it. You know, this is what's wrong with Chelsea Football Club. It's, it's you know, they, they, they've got a player in who's not doing the business, which we said, you know, I had my we have We have said for a long while now, probably, well, nearly a year since, since yeah. the League Cup final, he has not produced the same as what he did the year before under you know Lampard and Tuchel when we won the Champions League he was on a different planet in terms of um, top level goalkeepers but yeah, yeah no I I, you know I, 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 yeah I I just feel I just feel that 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 Sterling what happened with Sterling he they broke the bank it was their first signing they wanted to make an impression typical american want to make an impression we're going to sign Raheem Sterling and they went to three it became common knowledge that he was on 300 grand a week people are going to go people are going to look and say well hold this second and especially when he plays because to me he hasn't turned up trees he hasn't looked you know but I'll give were... him the benefit of the doubt a little bit and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not a fan of Sterling's but 
He has been playing since Potter's come in. Under Tuchel, he was playing every week. Since Potter's come in, he's either used him on the bench or he's used him as a bloody wing-back, which I do not get for well, the life of me why play him as a pissing wing-back. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was against the signing at the time, Steve. You know that. And I, I, don't, I don't know why we're going after City players that Guardiola didn't want. If Guardiola doesn't rate him as a player... Why are we, who are we're trying to compete with Man City, thinking, oh, well, he'll do a job for us? No, that's not the Chelsea of old. That's not how Chelsea used to conduct their business. But again, no, as, I, as, we, as I've said... We went for the best. Uh, we went for the best. As I've said publicly, this is, this is a new Chelsea, the old Chelsea that I grew up with in my teenage years and watching them win every week. That's gone. That Chelsea has vanished. This is a new Chelsea. This is an American-style Chelsea which will look at data, it will look at statistics, it will look at, you know, what can we improve in terms of, you know, yards gained and whatever crap that they'll come up with, similar to the NFL, for example. They'll look at that. They'll look at certain players. Bind Sterling reminded me, you've just got a new house and you want to get the best stuff Oh, let's get this used lamp. Oh, it yeah. looks shiny. It looks very nice. And it comes from a posh place, but it's used. And it's not good enough. We well, want... to me, yeah, to me, he will score one out of every three chances. He's never been a prolific goal scorer. Never. Never. And how many times do you see him at a final ball where someone else scores? Very rarely. And I just, I just look at it. I just think there's so many other players that, that that we could have gone for that that would have been a better, a better uh, addition to our squad. Hmm. And I look at all the signings over the summer, and I think they've been very ordinary, very ordinary. And I think that's you know when you rebuild a squad, number one. You look at the age and you say, right, I'm going to get a squad and I want 75% of my squad around the age of 24, 25. And then I can build a squad for the future. You don't go buying 33, 32s, 31s, 30 players because you can't build a team around them. It's instant success. And this is what Americans are about. They want to make an impression. They want instant instant success, so they they buy the the you know one of the greatest signings we ever had was Drogba. When he first came to the club, was he the finished product? No, we made him what he was. He became that. He learned, and he became one of the most fearsome strikers you could ever have. But he wasn't he wasn't the finished product when he was when we first signed him. He was far from it. I remember a lot of Chelsea fans booing him when he first came, but they weren't booing him when he left. Well no, I was Kavak one of them that was booing him when he first joined Chelsea, I have to admit. Yeah. But he, he certainly changed my mind then. Yeah. Cavalio, when Cavalio signed, no one knew who he was. Mm. Who's this Cavalio? Herrera as well. What? What a player. Paolo Ferreira, yeah. You know, Ferreira, the right back. You know, what a player. You know, the, 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 the ownership is just spanks of really this American thing where they want to make this instant impression. So what they're doing, they're signing what they can, can construe as the end article to put into the side to make them a great side. Sometimes you have to like, you know, look at Pep. How many times has he signed an established player? Or it's like the boy Alves, is it? The guy at Argentina. Yeah, think, well, what's, what's a, what a find he is. Where, where has he come from? <laughs> you, know, and, you know, and we're not doing it that way. No. We're, a, no. A, a, a we're getting the scraps. What we and do. as I've said before, 
City have always gone to Harrods. They've always gone to M&S for their shopping. We used to go there now. We're now shopping in bloody Lidl. Yeah. yeah and that's, the, that's the sad reality. You you know, people might think that's disrespectful. Fine. Contact us, email us, and voice us your grievance. That's where we are. When you play piss poor against Arsenal at home, when you play piss poor against Newcastle away, when you have a, a real bad time in terms of where are Chelsea going at the moment, where you know, we've brought in players, hundreds of hundreds of millions of pounds on players, and where where are we? We, we seem like we, we are back. lost. At, we are lost at sea at the moment. We're There's no back. dinghy, nothing to save us in terms when, of when where our can man- we go from here? Yeah, when our manager turns round and plays Raheem Sterling at wing back, I know we've got a problem. I know we've got a problem because I'll tell you what. Oh, well, it, it beggars belief to be honest. And if that man. And I guarantee you he will, Steve, and I'll message you if he does. If that man turns around and says after a, after a game, whether we've drawn, lost, or even won, and said the boys played, you know, boys played well, they tried their hardest, I, I'll, I'll be seething. Well, the thing seething. that got me was after the Arsenal game. When all we talked about was how good Arsenal were. Yeah. <laughs> That's what got to me. Hold it a minute, mate. You're manager of Chelsea. For God's sake. Could you imagine, about... Zo- could you imagine Jose saying that? No. About an Arsene Wenger side? No. no. Exactly. Exactly. No. And, you know, it's, it's naivety beyond belief. As I said, there's a very big difference in managing a team that your job is to keep them in the league and a team your job is to win the Champions League. There's a huge difference. And at the moment, he's not cutting the mustard. No. Well, I don't even think he's cutting bread, let alone cutting mustard. But, Steve, before we depart this final episode of the year, we'll talk about the next games coming up. And, obviously, we are trying to put a positive standpoint on Chelsea, but it's bloody hard at the moment. Bournemouth at home on the 27th, and there have been many people that have offered me tickets for that game. I appreciate it. Thank you. A few years ago, I would have snapped your hand off, but now, not so much. Um, Bournemouth at home and Nottingham Forest away on New Year's Day. And if anybody does have tickets for that that are interested in selling, contact us. Um, Steve, what do you think, those two games? Massive for Graham Potter. Absolutely massive. Because the egos of the Americans will not take us getting beaten by those two teams. And if we happen to lose to those two teams, that would be the end. And it's also an opportunity for him to win two games. Let's look at the positive side. But if the worst came to the worst, and we lost those two games, or didn't even win those two games, I think, I think they will panic. He can't, he can't drop points against them, can he? Eh? He, he, he cannot afford to drop points against them. Those are two no, games he, he needs to win. If, if they drew those two games, he'd get the sack. Yes. Uh, no yes. doubt about it. He'd get the sack. But would he, though? Well, because would I, again we, we we we've heard through the grapevine about us, you know Poch potentially or you know, other managers. We've talked about Roman as a ruthless owner. Yes, that it was harsh what he what he's done in the past with managers, but ninety five percent of the time it worked. Mm. I don't see Todd being ruthless. I see him similar to the England national team, soft. Keith. Keith, Keith. Trust me, when it comes to Americans running football clubs, running the NFL, their egos are the biggest thing at Chelsea football. Oh club. no, I get you. I I understand that definitely. I they will. Their ego will not take not beating Bournemouth, not beating Notts Forest. 
we're the best. We want to be the best. We're the greatest. We're the... Well, actually, you know what they got to do? Just for once in their, their tenure at Chelsea Football Club is make a right decision. And who, as I said to you before, who's ever advising them about players and about the way to go and about the way to do things, they are doing it totally wrong. And that person needs to get the sack as quickly as possible. Because, honestly, that whole recruitment phase at Chelsea, that whole building the team at Chelsea, as I said to you, is spanked of a scattergun approach where we were signing players without real thought about building a team for the future. You know, you can build a team for now and a team for the future. And what you do, you buy 24, 25-year-olds that have got the potential to become great players by the time they're 28, 29. And then you're building a team. Like we did with Roman. We built a team. We built it. There was a lot of thought going. What we did, we had a scattergun approach with no thought about building a team. It was about buying it, putting there. Yeah, buying, putting there. Buying, putting there. No thought. Why would you buy a centre-back at 31, 32 years of age who, you know, with all due respects, well, to me, I, I cannot work that out one iota. And you've got two centre-backs. Between them are what? Have an average age of, what's it, 67 or 69 <laughs> or something, you know? When you're building a team, you know, I can't for the life of me understand that. I, I really can't. And also, you know, Raheem Sterling, you're looking, and the one thing we needed as a club was a number nine. We needed an Aussie. We needed even a Kerry Dixon. We needed a, we needed a nine. And we still haven't got a nine. And that was the one thing we needed. Maybe a centre-half and maybe a number nine. Yes. I'll tell you what I loved about the World Cup as well. Rudiger taking the piss and getting beaten. I absolutely love that. When he did his high high knee run, did you see that? I Yes, I did. I did. And I'll tell you what, when people do that and that, that happens, that's their comeuppance. And I'm so pleased that they got stuffed and got knocked out. Shouldn't do that. Just taking the piss. Well, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We will have to mention this because this is something that broke a few hours ago that I've actually uh, just come across it while we are recording, Steve. Um, so by the time you listen to this, hopefully nothing nothing extremely sad has happened at the, at the time. But Steve, I don't know whether you've heard the news this morning. Um, I've, again, I've, I've just come across it through a friend, a friend of mine just me- messaged me uh, with, with some information as well, but I'll read it out in terms of what's been said in the papers. Um, Gianluca Viali has been has been admitted to hospital in London uh, as he's currently battling cancer for the second time, and his condition, for according to Italian media, has taken a turn for the worse. And his mother and brother, who are residing in Italy have come over to London to be by his bedside. Uh, He was diagnosed with cancer again back in 2021. He he previously overcame the disease after being first diagnosed in 2017. But since the cancer returned, Viali stepped down as one of Mancini's coaches from the Italian national team. And there are growing fears today, Steve, that Things are not looking well um, in terms of Gianluca's Viali's health, and you know it's pretty shocking and pretty sad that somebody who was a fabulous footballer, fantastic, and, fantastic and footballer, and somebody who you know took the reins at Chelsea after Rude Hullet left, that a lot of people were a little bit surprised about from who I've spoken to, you know that that, that, that were there. That when he became player manager, and you know he was part of that 
golden era at Chelsea, you know, in the late 90s, you know, the exciting era at Chelsea. Winning the FA Cup with us in 2000 and being part of that good era at Chelsea, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I will, I, like many thousands upon thousands, Steve, hope that he, he comes out of this and he pulls through. Yeah, I'd just like to say, Keith, you know, not only a, a fabulous footballer, but a great man as well. When you met him, he was so charismatic and such a lovely bloke. Um, and obviously, I've, I've just found that out from you. And obviously, my love and my God oh, to him and his family. 58, hope, Steve. 58. Uh, That's no age, is it? I hope, I hope he fights it and wins it again. <sighs> But what a lovely, lovely human being and a great servant to Chelsea Football Club. Very, very sad. And I hope he's, uh, God, I hope he pulls through. It'd be a great loss to Chelsea history, that would. Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, we was hoping to end today's show on a good note. But, yeah, just really, really sad. And, you know, we hope that he pulls through, um, you know, something that... Uh, I think I'm probably okay to say it now. I don't think there'll be any issues with it. Um, I did actually speak to Gianluca Viali's PR boss um, because I was trying to get Mr. Viali on the show for an interview, for yeah. the past player interviews. And I did get an email back to say that um, he he would have liked to have done the show, but due to um, his his health, Mm. worsening and this was this was a few months ago so this isn't recent yeah. this was a few months ago um and i knew then that there was potential that he could be stepping down from the italian national side and this was done i was i found out before it was announced uh publicly but you know from the stories that i've heard from teammates and players that played under him you know fantastic guy just, just, just a complete and utter legend. Do you know what? There's people like me that are legends, and there's people <laughs> like those two that are legends, and they are real legends. Now you're not a legend. You've just got the one leg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, well, we will end it on that. We will end it on a bit of a somber note. We do hope Mr. Viali pulls through. You know. God forbid anything happens between now and when eventually you do hear this, folks. Um, but we do have a little bit of news as well, podcast-related. We will be announcing on Thursday afternoon our first player interview of 2023. And is somebody that Steve knows well. So that gives you a little bit of a clue. And it has been somebody who was part of a good era at Chelsea in the eighties, you know, somebody who has had a good career after retiring as well, you know, uh, coaching and being involved in numerous clubs. So we're going to announce that Thursday afternoon, UK time. So it'll be on our Facebook page. It'll be on uh, our Twitter page and even on Instagram as well. We'll do a a special video and we're talking to a number of ex Chelsea players as well in terms of interviews for 2023 there might even be one that I'll have to travel a fair distance. Steve doesn't know about this, but I will. I will talk. I will tell him off air. Um, that that's going to be an interesting one going going all the way down there. But thank you to everyone who has dis- subscribed. Thank you to everyone who has actually dis- thought it would be best to listen to Keith Lawrence and Steve Wicks have a rant about Chelsea to um, occupy their day. Thank you. For everyone who has acknowledged our podcast and tell your friends, tell your Chelsea mates about us. Hopefully we will get more of a following for next year as well. And with the interviews and with everything else going on, we hopefully might even be doing something quite special next year between myself and Steve that will be podcast related as well. So do watch out for that. If you're new to us, thank you for joining in for the first time. We are on Twitter. Find us at the Blue Day Pod, facebook.com slash the Blue Day Podcast. Instagram, the Blue Day Podcast, all lowercase. If you want to give us an email, contact us how how you wish. If you want to vent your fury at Chelsea, 
If you want to vent your fury at Hakim Ziyech, like many people do, then contact us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas, and we are allowed to say Christmas on this show, so don't worry. Have a very Merry Christmas. We hope you have a lovely New Year, and we will see you in 2023. Steve, do you want to wish a Merry Christmas? Yeah, Happy Christmas, everybody, and thanks for listening. Much appreciated. Stay safe, folks, and carefree. Sports Social Podcast Network. Let me give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com.